Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected. We are a brand new City Collective podcast where we are just trying to sit with people who actually are City Collective, like the actual body of our church, and sit with them and hear their stories and hear about their life and their life with Jesus and what that looks like. And today I'm so excited to have Rob Hatchett on. Uh, Rob and Rachel Hatchett have been a part of City Collective for I mean, as long as I can remember the City Collective's even been a thought or like a, even a thought baby. Um, they had a little, I don't know what you would call it, a sabbatical in Florida, um, but they are back in Chattanooga, and um, I'm so excited to sit and talk with him today. So, Rob, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good, and uh, Brooks, appreciate you having me on and uh, love our church family and love the, the chance to talk now and, and share a bit of our story with you. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you're a busy guy, and um, I'm just so grateful that you would give us your time to kind of do this. So just to kind of start off, what do you do, Rob? So I am in uh, I'm in the trucking business, and uh, been in the trucking business for about seven years now. And, and uh, the main thing that I do is, is help trucking companies hire truck drivers. And so uh, if you want to nail it down, we're actually an ad agency, but we're an ad agency that focuses in truck uh, on truckers. Uh, and so all day, every day, I'm trying to help people give uh, professional drivers jobs. And so we place ads in uh, Facebook and Indeed and Craigslist and a bunch of different career websites, all trying to generate applications. So we place those ads and those applications go to different trucking companies. Uh, and then uh, I tell people I try to I try to give people raises. That's that's my main function. How can I help professional drivers make more money and uh, by getting better jobs? And so uh, uh, so when anybody ever wants to talk trucking, talk truckers, that's that's what I do. And that's what Rachel does as well. She works at Covenant Transport. She's worked there since she was uh, literally two years old when uh, when her family started it. And so um, so she uh, I tell you, she she knows more about trucking than I will ever know. But uh, uh, so she uh <laughs> She she is uh, she's a trucker as well. So you got a couple truckers at church. We got a lot of folks in trucking at church. So that's neat that uh, that we can sit around and talk shop, uh, having people doing. Uh, of course, Chattanooga. There's tons of trucking in the city. So, uh, uh, but uh, right. that's what we eat, sleep, and breathe. Rachel's on a conference call right now, talking trucking, uh, just like I've been doing today. Cool. Um, so you said you got into it seven years ago. So what were you doing before trucking? Yeah. So I. Uh, I was in real estate. I was president of a real estate company called Crylike Realtors, president of their franchises division. And so that's actually what brought me to Chattanooga. Uh, Mr. Okay. Cry, the, Mr. Cry is the CEO of, of, of Crylike. And so uh, he moved me here. I was vice president at the time, moved me to Chattanooga. And uh, I covered Chattanooga, Atlanta, Huntsville, Knoxville uh, when, I, when I first moved here. And, and uh, a lady that worked for me when I first moved here uh uh, went to church with Rachel and set us up on a blind date my very first week. Uh, I was literally living in the sleep-in hotel out off Shallowford Road near the mall. And Rachel working in real estate, living in a hotel, huh? That's right, working in real estate, living in a hotel. And uh, and so Rachel came and picked me up at the sleep-in hotel, and we went to P.F. Chang's over by the mall, and she took me straight back to the hotel. And I thought, well, that, that was that was a one-and-done blind date. Uh, but uh, we were married uh, 11 months later, and uh, about wow. five years into marriage, I was traveling all the time. So cry like I had offices in, in eight different states. So I was traveling all the time. Um, and so about five years into marriage, no kids. And we said, hey, we're, we're a little too separate. She's 100 percent trucking and I was 100 uh, percent real estate. And just uh, we needed to, to, to be 
closer and together more and that would be the best thing for us and and she was either going to get with me in real estate or I was going to get with her in trucking and we decided that uh best path would be uh, for me to, to, to jump into the new industry of trucking, but I'd hired a bunch of real estate agents. Uh, and so then I just kind of switched over and took over the hiring at Covenant. Uh, and so I was uh, over Covenant's hiring about 5,000 drivers a year uh, for six years. Um, and then, uh, and then that's when I, I left uh, just over a year ago and started, started my own company. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's neat how God moves that, that a blind. Yeah. Day a blind date at PF Chang's in East Brainerd kind of changed my life from a from a marriage standpoint, and then changed my life from a career standpoint as well. Uh, when uh, uh, when when I obviously met met Rachel, and and she she brought me into this industry. Yeah. So for all you um, young single college students, or maybe after college students, all you need is a blind date and some PF Chang's, and that, that's uh, it. the rest can be history. That's the way that God works in our world today. That's the kind. That's right. Uh, so what were you doing before you came to Chattanooga then? Cause you said that, uh, Mr. Cry brought you to Chattanooga for Crylike. That's, so what were you doing before that? Yeah. So Crylike is based in, in Brentwood up in Maryland farms, right, right North of where you're from Brooks. Uh, so I worked in Maryland farms at Crylike for years. Uh, uh, and so, uh, that's, that's again, where the, where the main headquarters is. Um, so it was, uh, uh, it was time just to, to transfer, uh, to, uh, to, to a new region, but, uh, but that was it. At, right out of college, I was a finance major in college, and I went into banking for for one year. And uh, and after that year, I said I got to go do something where I get paid uh, based on my performance. And everybody's wired differently. Um, and so uh, in banking, it was basically you made a salary and 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 that's it. You go home at night. And so, uh, but I I knew I was wired to say, hey, if I go out and and do great, I should be I should be paid more. And it, and it's basically sales. That's a lot of sales. Um, and, uh, and so, and if I don't sell anything, then I shouldn't get anything, you know, I was fine with that. And so, so, um, so even though I was a finance major left banking after a year, and then that's where I, I met Mr. Cry in, uh, in Brentwood. Um, and, uh, he said, Hey, jump over here into real estate. That's kind of how we roll is, uh, the more you do, the more you make. And so, um, so I, I jumped into, into real estate at 23 or four, if I remember correctly there in Brentwood. So, um, yeah. So, but, uh, it's, uh, and, and then, and then in, uh, in 07, 08, um, and that, that's when those were, those were two rough years. So you hear a lot today, especially with, uh, um, everything going on in the world and the stock market. It's like, man, some of this is the, is the biggest decline since 07, 08. Yeah. Um, and so in real estate during that time, so our company cry, like we went from doing 6 billion a year in sales down to 4 billion a year in sales. So I was president of the company when we went when we had a two billion dollar decrease uh, in real estate sales just because of the economy. The market crashed. Um, and so that was, right. you know, it, it's a lot easier to lead when everybody's making money and you're having a good time all the time. It, yeah, it, definitely. It can, it can be challenging as we are in today's world, as we sit here today uh, with everything with the coronavirus going on in the markets. It's it, it, that's when you test true leadership is, OK, can you lead when times are tough? And so, yeah. Uh, so it was uh, it was it was a tough tough t- tough couple years that's for sure. Um, yeah. Real estate. Thankfully, that market's bounced back a lot uh, over the Definitely. past ten years. But especially so here in Chattanooga. Of, that, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, it's doing great in Chattanooga. So, but uh, but yeah. So that's kind of my professional journey over the past. I guess I, I graduated college in December '03. That okay. puts me out almost almost 17 years now. So it's been which a, is basically a, when some of the freshmen in college were born at our church, which is crazy that, to think about. 
Well, and so I'm surprised you didn't introduce me as part of the senior citizens group. At church. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. So but uh, no, we uh, we I tell you what, we we walk in and we feel so alive uh, having Good. having folks younger than us and seeing uh, season seeing people love Jesus that are that are half our age. But yet we get to be there and hang out. And so it's uh, uh, we, we 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 love it. And uh, and uh, like I said proudly, proudly uh, are part of the seniors group. Yeah, and I know that um, so many of us are so grateful for y'all and just um, y'all's presence and your kind of willingness to just engage in worship and with the church where um, maybe age-wise, like you do find yourself in a minority group, um, just being above whatever the median age is of 26, 27. Um, But man, there is so much to just press into. So I remember I was in eighth grade in 08. And that was kind of when the housing market crashed, like you said. And I remember as an eighth grader, um, kind of starting for maybe the first time, starting to feel some like real anxiety about like my parents and like their jobs. And like, what was that going to look like for for me as someone who is a dependent Um, and all the uncertainty that came with that? And you really hit the nail on the head. You said that like leading, it's really, really or I don't know if it's really, really easy, but it's definitely much easier to lead when everything is going well, when the revenue streams are continually increasing and um, you're not kind of faced with this adversity. So with the parallels between that and kind of potentially what we might see with the coronavirus, what are some of like the most important lessons you kind of saw God teach you in that season of leading a company that decreased $2 billion in sales? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I gotta go, I gotta go back to the, to the, the, previous big event in the country, and that was September 11th, 2001. Uh, So definitely around the time a lot of our church members were born. And I want to tell you something that I saw in terms of leadership at that time. I was a a sophomore in college, September 11th, 2001. Um, Yeah, sophomore in college. And, uh, you know, the towers came down and the economy went crazy then, 2001. And my father lost his job in October of 2001. Um, and so kind of what you were saying, Brooks, that was the first time uh, as a 19-year-old that I started to, to worry, to stress. Up until that point, most of the steps of my life were all in order. I'm going to go to middle school, and I'm going to go to high school, right. and I'm going to go to college. And having to really trust – well, there, I mean I kind of knew what was coming next, and so I hadn't built this – even though I was had been a believer in God for years, I hadn't built this. Hey, I'm going to trust in you, God. And right, so September right, 11th, experiential so, knowledge. That's right. Yes, yeah. So September 11th, Dad loses his job, and I start stressing over how's my dad going to provide for our family. And something we hadn't touched on yet, but kind of the the one of the key parts of my life is my younger brother, who's passed away now, who's handicapped all of his life, and so so Mom has to stay at home take care of my brother. I'm off at college, dad loses his job, and I start having these crazy headaches. I mean, just the stress from all that. Um, yeah, and uh, and so my dad was out of work for six months, and I felt that I was more concerned about my dad's job than my dad yeah. was. I'm like, hold on, dad. I'm, I'm sitting here. He, he's a computer programmer. I'm sitting here searching for jobs all the time, and he's enjoying time with my brother. He's saying, yeah. God, thank you for this opportunity that I get to spend with my son at home. Wow. And six months later, 
and and I'll remember this that that I remember my dad continued. This is just an impression that again, leading our family is what's in my mind is that he continued writing his weekly check to church, even though he didn't have a job wow. and saying, God, you've been faithful to me and, and you're going to continue. And that, that, you know, and so just seeing, seeing him. And I think back during that tough time, that six months. And uh, what's interesting is my dad got a job at a trucking company. So he had worked at Gaylord Entertainment. Brooks, you know them in Nashville. Yeah, the hotel. The Gaylord Entertainment Center. So we got free tickets to the hotel, the Predators, all kinds of stuff. And then he goes and works for a trucking company. And I was honestly, as a 19-year-old, I was a little embarrassed about that. And it's amazing how the thing that embarrassed me as a 19-year-old is now the thing that my life, my professional life is committed yeah. to. It's an industry that's that crazy. I love. And that's how God can go, hey, hey, I'm going I'm to teach you here that, uh, that don't get embarrassed just because it's not as cool. It's something right. else. There's there's great things that can come from it. But but I remember watching my dad in those six months, and obviously it's made an impression on me as to how he led our family. Well, he he was calm. He was peaceful. He continued mm. to give thanks, and that didn't change that he didn't have a job, and it didn't right. make it happen any quicker. It was six months, but he looked for the positive of those situation as to hey, I, I can spend time with my son. And right. so as I think about that, something that has really impacted me and how can not just for the family, but uh, in a professional life, how can how I want to come across the same way that my father came across and right. to say, hey, with peace and with calm and with trust and with continued faithfulness and knowing just as God has been faithful time and time again, and the outcome is always a victory. We don't know when it's going to happen or exactly what it's going to look like. We didn't know it was going to look like a trucking company, but whatever it yeah. may be, that there will be, and God will provide. And wow. so, so, and, and it's so easy for us to get in these times and just forget all, forget all the times that he has done that in the past. And so, so I watched my dad do that in 01 and then his 07, 08 and the crash of real estate. And now as we sit here today, um, and I had a call with my employees this morning and just, you know, I said, guys, I, I want you to, you know, I'm reading about everybody losing their job. And I said, guys, that's, I, we're, we're good to go right now. I don't want y'all stressed over that. But I, I right. it just, last night I was like, I want to provide calmness and, and a reminder mm. that we are, we are blessed. Um, and, uh, and again, sometimes we got to look for the blessings. Uh, it can be a little hard sometimes, but we, yeah. if they are there, they're there. And so, but, uh, but again, so much of that goes back to what I saw in my dad 19 years ago that, that I'm just trying to emulate today. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, man, I mean, I resonate so much with that. I have always been someone who, if my friends need a job, like I will almost to the point of where I feel like I'm looking more than them. Like I want yeah. to, I want to search. And I think that for me, I don't want to attribute this to you because I don't know what you're, um, like what's kind of going on internally. But for me, like I just, I really like this idea of being in control. Mm. Um, and I like to, I like to kind of dictate my future and yeah. to have a say in planning out the future and just knowing that, okay, I have these tangible steps I can take. I know I can take them. I know when I can take them. And I know that if I do that, that this will be the outcome. Yeah. And in all of this, all of that has just kind of been upended, at least in me, I know personally. And it's like, all right, well, like tomorrow, um, everything could change because we've learned that with this coronavirus, things can change by the hour. I mean, mm -hmm. as a church, plan, plans that we made were were no longer usable the next day as far as gathering and stuff like that. And so it seems like something that kind of like you're drawing on is like 
two things that I'm really hearing are um, the importance of being like a non-anxious presence as a leader. Um, and I think that that is something that is so important in our day. Just if anybody who's listening is like trying to lead anything or is in any leadership role, like the importance of a non-anxious presence in this, um, man, it is anxiety. We all feel it. And I don't think that being a non-anxious presence means that you don't feel the anxiety. I think it's more about your response to it and to, like you said, look for the blessings and, and practice gratitude almost as like this, like spiritual warfare against the anxiety. And then um, on the back of that, to just kind of trust that even if we aren't in total control, like we usually are, that we can still trust God. Mm. The, yeah. the trust of God is like the kind of foundational point to that. And I'm just, man, I just hear that like so much and like just what you're saying. And obviously it seems like um, you were able to kind of implement those two things in your time at CryLike. Is that right? Well, hey, we, we, we tried. That is for sure. So you wake up every morning and that, and you say, hey, that's that's my desire is to is to be that type person. And obviously Satan's going to throw curveballs at us during the day. That's right. Try to flare up some anxiety and uh, trying to flare up some uh, go into control planning mode, which you're wired that way. I'm wired that way. I want to have plans. It's we're sitting here on Wednesday and I want to know what we're doing Saturday night. I want to go ahead and get it planned. So I know exactly right. what I need to be and where I need to be. I mean, that's just how I'm how I'm wired. But, uh, you know, I, uh, it's, I'm sure a lot of people, I've heard a lot of messages over the past couple of weeks talking about fear and, and something, and, and again, a lot of amazing points that have, that have jumped out at me these past couple of weeks. But one thing that I, that I heard that really resonated with me in terms of trust, um, in terms of, uh, uh, again, not having to know exactly what the plan is, is that sometimes comprehension, we want to comprehend what's going on. We want yeah. to understand, okay, God, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and we want, and so, and so, comprehension is what our our goal is, and so, sometimes we pursue comprehension so much that we forget about the the beauty of blind, blind faith, mm. and, and being able to yeah. sit back and go, I I don't know, but guess what, my blind faith says we're going to be good, and so like it's like hopping in a car and not knowing exactly where you're going, but you trust the driver. That, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And just and, and so it's it's one of those things where I've sat there and go, I, I want to comprehend how all this is coming together and where the next steps are. Every call that I have is what do you I mean, I just got an email. When do you think the economy is going to rebound? They're asking me that. I'm like, guys, who not? I have no clue. Yeah. And yeah. so and so but we all want to comprehend the next steps. And so I just I just thought about the the importance of sometimes having blind faith and just sitting back going, God, I don't know. You're, you're the only hope that I have. So I'm just going to sit back and have faith in that. And I'm like, that's where the power comes in is when yeah. I can have that. And so I'm, I'm trying. Um, and, and of course we're, we're never going to do it perfectly. And, and hopefully, and here we are in 2020, I'm be doing it better than I did in 2001. Definitely when dad lost his job and hopefully doing it better than I did in, in 07 and 08. And we were going through all that. And I remember having to let my first person go. And then they realized when I did that, that they weren't going to have health insurance for their family. I mean, I remember wow. that's the first person I ever let go and just crying in my office, but I had to, I mean, we yeah. revenues down, you know? And so but but again, we, we, we always try to do better. But it's when that's kind of where my mind is right now is through all this is just blind faith. And then and then hopefully passing that on to others is, hey, we, we don't have all the answers. And guess, guess what? That just means we're just going to trust and 
and and uh, and again, God always comes through, so we should be cool with that. We should be cool with going, yeah, I just I'm just trusting in God, and and He always comes through. And sometimes I think that is maybe one of the most difficult things to do in our society, just because our society is a society built on planning and knowing and understanding and knowledge, even like you said, like comprehension. Like if we don't have a plan for our life for the next six months, we I mean, we have five year plans, 10 year plans, 15 mm-hmm. year plans. And sometimes a lot of this stuff, like it's really, really hard, I think, probably in the moments to make sense of why you have to let someone go in the midst of an economic crisis. And it just doesn't make sense. And sometimes I think that to the world, in order for for God to make sense, we have to have an answer. And sometimes we just don't. Mm. Um, And that's one of the most difficult things, I think, of this blind faith we're talking about is that sometimes what it looks like in the moment is just defaulting to that God is in control and that God is going to be okay and that we're going to be okay because of that, even when we can't explain it. And so I think that's just like one of the most difficult parts of that. So yeah. um, with that, was was faith always kind of something that you were raised in? Because it sounds like your dad was someone who modeled just this these leadership qualities extremely well. So were you raised in a Christian household or what was that like for you growing up? Yeah, yeah, that was, um, uh, I'm so very blessed to have um, parents that are believers and grandparents that are believers. Um, I don't know if it stretched back past my grandparents, but obviously the the influence of uh, of my life being my parents and grandparents always raised me to uh, to to know Jesus and to love Jesus. Um, but you know, so from a very young age, um, and I just I just thought Brooks, it was it was so neat. Sunday night, I was able to do a uh, a Zoom call with both my grandmothers that are still living, and we prayed together. And so I just, I just think wow, back. That's amazing. Yeah. Two ladies that are, I think they're like 87 years old, but they're on, you know, Zoom. Me and those two ladies praying together. And so, just I was so, so thankful for, for that time this past Sunday. Um, but, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, but, but so, yeah, so grew up, and uh, um, uh, my father led worship. Uh, he, he was an elder at the church that we went to. I think he became an elder when I was 16. Uh, my mother worked as a, a church secretary, uh, to kind of help with, again, as she was taking care of, uh, of my brother, uh, that was kind of her little part-time is to help out at the church. And so that was very, very normal. And then I went to, um, uh, I st- in seventh grade, I started going to Lipscomb high school. So a Christian high school, seventh through 12th, and then went to a, a Christian university, um, and so being around church and Christian education was so very normal to me. And I would say, as I think about my journey, um, uh, academically, uh, from a head knowledge standpoint, uh, I, I don't know that I could have had any more training than what I had. I mean, we were three times a week, we, you know, and then at church and then I had Bible yeah. class two to three days a week. And then in college I, and in high school and college chapel every day. So, I mean, it's one of those things from an academic study the Bible. I, 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 I don't know what else I could have done much of. Right. But it wasn't until um, probably I was 20, tw- I'm going to call it 23, when I realized that the peace that I had been missing in all that academia and all mm. that knowledge and winning Bible bowls and all this kind of stuff is that how much, how much one-on-one time that we're me and God spending together. 
And I'm not yeah. talking about a formality of saying a prayer and reading scripture. I'm talking about hanging out with God and me and him talking about what's going on in life and me talking to him, him talking back to me. And so and um, and because I had always been in more of an academic environment with my upbringing, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying in those environments, it didn't click about. Yeah, just just me and me and God and 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 in. I hadn't been in too many intimate environments with with just a couple people. I remember the very first time I prayed with someone one on one and I was out of college just because wow. in, in my brain, it was just more about the, the church gathering classes, worship, sitting around, but not not together. And when I when I started realizing the intimacy with other people, again, this is after this is after, you know, 20 something years of, 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 right. of being a believer. But it's just when that started clicking with me and when I started realizing, oh, I can have all the head knowledge in the world. But, but if I never spend any intimate time with God, I mean, what, what am I doing? I'm just studying about him. And yeah. uh, and then obviously when you get married and you start realizing intimacy and you're like, hey, you've you got to have continual intimacy. I mean, that's just part of being married. Well, that's part of us and God, too, is, is spending intimate time together. And so when I when I started realizing what that meant and what that looked like, that's when I would say that that my belief turned from a from a head knowledge to uh, to a heart knowledge. And it just took me probably a lot longer than a lot of people uh, to to make that shift. And so um, that's where a lot of times when when I when uh, you know, in, in Brooks, you've probably heard me say this, but but another huge moment in my life. And this is crazy. It's crazy. But it's one of those God can work through movies. But the movie yeah. war room, the movie war room with that little old lady, and she'd go in her closet every day and write her prayers. That was a game changer for me. I was like, that's what I want to do right there. And I yeah. had just never tangibly seen anybody do that before. In all my years of academia in in the Christian environment, I had never heard, hey, yeah, let's go in our closet and let's write our prayer list and let's talk about them to God. And see, I'm like, that's amazing. And so that that yeah. really shaped my daily that that movie, as crazy as that sounds, which was probably about 10 years ago, that really started shaping my my day to day intimacy. And, and again, uh, we had a rooftop in downtown Chattanooga. So it became my war roof like there was a war room. Yeah, that's awesome. My war roof. And so. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of my journey is in terms of, you know, it, it's some people want these stories to where, hey, they, you know, I wish I had a better story in terms of, man, I wasn't a believer and God changed me. And, you know, I don't I, I my story is not that my story is being a believer. But um, but again, I, I fell. I, I wrote an article one time. It was called I think I was a Pharisee, you know, yeah. and, and I really think I really think for a while. And I'm, again, thankful for God's grace and his patience and his mercy but uh, but boy, I was sure more about doing things the right way and, and studying the law um, and, and all that versus versus, you know, kneeling down in prayer and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'd never done that before because I was so worried about telling other people what the Bible said about what they were doing wrong. You know? Yeah, I think and it's so, important too to like remember, um, man, I mean, in every story we see dead to life in yeah. in every story. um we see the beauty of the gospel, which is a miracle. And um, while I, I definitely like I empathize and totally resonate or at least understand this, um, maybe like wanting like a like a flashier story. I think that your story is beautiful. Um, and the fact that that God captured your heart 
and um, drew you in and said, hey, like, Rob, like, this is how to ha- have a personal, like, intimate relationship with me. Yeah. Um, that is the power of the gospel, just like it is in my life and everyone who's listening. And so um, I just want to say thanks for, like, sharing that because um, every story where the gospel comes in and just absolutely transforms someone heart, someone's heart is a miracle. And um, we are so, so grateful for those stories in our church and um, I know I'm grateful for getting to kind of hear and learn some more of yours, like right now. It's uh, you know, and that, and, and when we realize, and I appreciate you saying that, Brooks, and 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 the thing that I think all of us, whatever the journey is, realize. I mean, I just it amazes me at God's faithfulness when I think back to, you know, j- just the life that I lived, and and and, uh, and and again, just all the different times that you just go, wow, God, this is beautiful, and uh, and so. Uh, I know in our prayer time yesterday, we were talking about some attributes of God. And the first thing that always pops in my mind is faithfulness. Because, you know, from a human standpoint, who would stick with folks that have, you know, some of the crazy stories, some of the messy stories that we have? And, and the answer is God. And he loves to yeah. with us. And he, he loves being there for us. And uh, and so I just, it, 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 it amazes me anytime I think back on the life's journey, just go, wow, how faithful God has been to me, to all of us. Um, and that's, a, I love that attribute of him. Yeah, and I mean, even some of the less maybe flashy, but um, but more sinister like hearts that God has transformed. Like I know in my life, there was a very definite moment of clear conversion where mm-hmm. my lifestyle completely changed. But ever since that moment, it's been God putting up with a heart that has just yeah. looked so ugly at times and yeah. self-righteous and, and selfish and... Um, man, that is mm-hmm. almost even more amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that, yeah, and that's why I think sometimes when I go, hold on, God, you know, I could understand some of these actions of mine when I didn't wear your name, but now right. that I'm wearing your name and I still have these actions, it's like, how do you put up with that? You know, and and again, it's it's my my favorite story, Brooks, is um, is Jesus cooking fish on the seashore after Peter had denied him three times. You know, and I, I mean, I think every time I, I mess up, I mean, that that is that is which is a lot. So I think about that story a lot, you know, is that Peter denies Jesus and he gets back on the boat. I think it's John chapter 21 gets back on the boat and he goes back to his old lifestyle of fishing. That was his old lifestyle. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, after he just denied him, I mean, that's a big sin. Just say, I don't even know you. And Jesus is yeah, there huge. cooking him fish on the seashore, cooks him breakfast and says, Peter, do you love me? And he said, go feed my sheep. I got a plan for you, bud. And so I just sit here and go, well, if Jesus is doing that to Peter, you know, and he, Peter was a believer and he denied right. Jesus and Jesus comes right back. Hey, I got you. Here's breakfast. I love you. Go feed my sheep. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So I'm so thankful for those stories in the Bible that remind us, hey, he, he's just doing the same thing for us. Hey, we goofed up. Here's breakfast. Yeah. I love you. Go go do my work on, in, in this in this world. And so. And so with that, how have, I know, so for those that don't know, so you and Rachel have been involved kind of since the earliest iteration of the City Collective. Um, how did y'all kind of discover and find out that you kind of had this passion for, for church planting and seeing people, um, seeing young people and seeing different kinds of people like in a downtown hub of a city come to know Jesus? Yeah, so so go back to when I got into trucking, uh, and so that was in 2013, if I remember my, my years correctly, 
And so um, we own a, a little trucking company in Nashville. It's actually the one that my dad works at. Now, can you imagine that, that my lady I met on a blind date, her family bought my dad's company. And so now I get, I got to work wow. with my dad for several years. I mean, it's just that is so cool. God puts things together. But, but so as I transitioned to trucking, I just need to learn the industry. I, I didn't, even though I was going to be hiring people, I was like, I need to know the lingo. So uh, the company's called Star Transportation in Nashville. And so we went and I worked there for three months as a fleet manager. I mean, that's front line, talking to the drivers, moving freight, but it's the absolute best thing to learn the industry. So for three months, um, I worked there and we just rented a furnished condo in the Gulch there in Nashville. Um, and so had a great time living in the Gulch. Um, and so we were there and I just went to work during the day and came back and, uh, and, and we hung out in Nashville. But across the street from us was a church called Ethos. And a lot of my friends had gone there. I just hadn't been living in Nashville. I'd been living in Chattanooga. And so we went across the street for three months to, to Ethos. Um, and again, I just kind of heard it called the Bar Church. Uh, yeah, I heard it called that too growing up. Yeah, Mercy Lounge. And, and so and so we were like, hey, let's do this. And we went and we're like, this is, man, this is amazing. We love this. And so uh, so we were there for those three months and uh, and, and got to, to, to see everybody there. And um, and just we came back to Chattanooga and and, uh, you know, we were just talking to people we're like, hey, if, if anybody ever wants to do that in Chattanooga, you know, now obviously Nashville has Lipscomb and Belmont. So two huge, um, you know, schools based on belief that were kind of feeder schools for for those schools, uh, excuse me, for that church. But, uh, um, you know, so we don't have two huge schools, but we've got uh, Brian and we've got. Lee and we've got UTC and so um, we got Chat State, you know. So we we've got colleges around here. But we came back in 2000, um, I guess 13 or 14, whatever that was then. And we just said, hey, if if anybody's wanting to do this, we, we'd love to to pitch in and and pray. Which obviously there was years of prayer going. Okay, how do we how do we make this happen in Chattanooga? And so yeah, um, so we got to kind of hang out with the with the group that started praying on that and. Uh, uh, and that was that was I don't know five years ago or so. And uh, and then you, as you mentioned, then Rachel and I decided, hey, we've been married ten years. We don't have any kids. Uh, we're trying to figure out life. Am I going to stay uh, at Covenant? Am I going to do something else? And and we said we're going to take eighteen months and and go down to the beach and figure out life. And so um, while always a good place was, to figure life out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, except for the two hurricanes that came through, that was that's kind of the, the not good times to be at the beach. Those are problematic. Yeah, that's right. They, they we had two misses by about 10 miles each. So but uh, wow. um, so so we we go down there. And so while we're down there for 18 months, the the, the beauty of everything uh, with City Collective came together. And so I know I know Matt came on board and you came on board and your wives came on board. And so so then we come back in uh, February of 19. Um, and, uh, and, and wow, just to, just to, just to remember back as to you mentioned the, the prayers and the trying to figure out if, if God has a plan for this years ago. And now here we are today. Um, uh, it was just neat to come back from Florida and just go, man, it's, it's, it's amazing to see, uh, the prayers from years ago turn into, uh, to the great, uh, to the great church family that we have today. So, um, yeah. so yeah, we came back in February of 19. So just over a year ago and, and uh, we have been in our assigned seats on the right hand side. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To my Sunday. left, when I'm preaching. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so I know where it lives, and I need a good head nod if I'm trying to make a good yeah. point. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Hey, uh, that's right. Rachel gives me a hard time if I get head nodding too much. She said, Rob, you're going to yeah. hurt your neck. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's been great. And so this past year we have, uh, uh, it's just, it's just been amazing to see, uh, uh, just, just how God is working in the, in the family at city collective. So, uh, yeah, good times, but it's also neat to see, and you know, I've talked about this before, uh, of where, you know, you go back and go, God, Hey, I, I don't know how you're going to work in all this. Uh, and, uh, but we're just praying that this is, this is your plan. And again, then it's especially neat when you go away for a long time and you come back and go, wow, God, you worked all this out, you know, yeah, beautifully, totally. amazingly. So, uh, so it's, uh, it's been, it's been a neat journey. That's for sure. We have been tremendously blessed. That's for sure. Um, so if you could, I would love to just ask you, I know that there are probably a lot of people that maybe have a lot more time on their hands, given that um coronavirus is forcing many of us inside and one of the things you talked about earlier was how different your relationship with god looked when you realized that you just needed to hang out with him and you just needed to be with god Mm -hmm. and so what are some of the practices that you're kind of banking on or using in this time to keep that relationship with god strong and to not kind of fall into the distraction of of just kind of numbing ourselves or escaping through various outlets. How have you kind of enforced some helpful habits in this season? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I had to change when I said, okay, I, I, I won't mean God to, to spend time together. And this is years ago, but I used to stay up late and I would get up late. And so if I had to be downtown Chattanooga at eight, I was probably getting up at seven twenty to shower and get there real quick, you know, and then I'd stay up late binge watching everything. Well, that doesn't work for me. Everybody's different. And so that didn't, that didn't work for me. Um, and so I had to change, you know, to where, Hey, I'm gonna start going to bed earlier and start getting up earlier. And, uh, and so for me, just, I get distracted. Um, and so, uh, how do I find time where there's no distraction? Well, guess what? At five 30, I don't have many distractions, you know? And so, and, and so that, that is something that's worked for me. And again, everybody's different. And so, um, and that's where in this time, um, you know, uh, especially now that we're, we're at home more often, that's less drives, uh, you know, that's less bikes to work or bikes to school or whatever. And so um, to, to me, it's important to, to get up and I make my cup of coffee uh, and I get my coffee and I go sit in my chair. And if it's nice, I'll go sit outside. Um, but and then spend time in in prayer. Now, in my prayer, what I, I love to to, as I said, with that lady in war room, I love to keep my prayer list. And that right. way I can look over it and I can say, God, is there anybody I need to reach out to today? Um, is there any uh, specific items um, that, that that I can do today uh, to, to, to minister to any of these requests that I have or be part of these requests? And so, um, you know, we've got several marriages that we're praying for. So there's anybody there that I can uh, reach reach out to today um, to, to bless th- their marriage, you know, or to speak a word. But then also... Uh, I always like to look at how was my yesterday. So God, how did I do yesterday? How are my thoughts? How are my words? You know, did did I did I face any temptation that I stood up to, or did I get tempted to to say something that I shouldn't have, and I went down that path? And so I always look, how did I do yesterday, God? And uh, and then I think, and I look at my schedule. What do I got going on today? What do I need to pray about today? What do I need you to be to, you to be in control of, and not me to be in control of? And so. So I spend that time, and that's kind of my routine: is how was yesterday, how was today. Look at my prayer list. Anything that I need to, anybody I need to reach out to today, um, and then I go into studying. So right now I'm in uh, 
Second Samuel. Uh, so uh, the past 10 days, I've, I've blazed through First Samuel and Second Samuel. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, we, we, we I talked earlier about, you know, Jesus cooking Peter fish on the on the seashore. And then you read David's story. And I just got through the whole Bathsheba and her husband episode. And you just look at God's faithfulness that he was faithful yeah. through that. Something something really, really not good. Adultery and murder. Right. Yeah, that definitely plan. not so, on my list of things I'm trying to do in my day. That's right. So I'm coming coming off of that, but then in the in the study, then I kind of close my time and go, hey God, what what did what can I take from that? And obviously with Second Samuel, there's so many psalms that are tied to what's right. going on in Second Samuel. You can go read, hey, what was David really thinking during this time? And that's been a neat thing is to is to see some of those psalms that are attached to to that particular book. And um, but but the whole thing, so that's that's my five thirty to. 615 um every morning routine now i've got to be careful that it's one of those you know that it doesn't become a habit a ritual and hey god you can only work we can only spend time if it's 5 30 to, to 6 15 you know so that becomes sometimes my temptation as to well now my god time's over and now let's go um but so i right. but specifically so so here's something uh for this i've started um, this is probably every other night also spending some time with god before i go to bed so after tv uh, which is not something I normally do, but it's like I've got extra time and yeah, we have a lot life of is time. crazy. World is crazy. So God, yep. I want to start my day with you. I want to end my day with you. And then I appreciate what y'all are doing with the Zoom prayers. It's to, hey, I love, let's jump on for 15 minutes with my with my church church body and let's pray together. And so um, I would say in this time of certainty, I, I have I've spent more time. Um, just in the intimacy, because it's because because that anxiety's rearing up, and that oh, the frustration. Well, when I get scared, shouldn't I run to him more? And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I'm trying to do so. But uh, it's it's fascinating. A lot of people have done a number of studies, and what they found is kind of this dichotomy of chaos and then structure. That in times where the world is maybe more chaotic or disordered that what we actually need and crave is more structure. And it sounds like that's kind of what you've turned to is that sure, we all probably want to sleep in a little bit longer because we don't have to drive as far or we don't have to um, allocate time to get to a number of things because so much is canceled and so much is at home, but you've tried to keep that same structure and that's helped keep you grounded in all of the chaos and in all of the confusion and that is something that i think all of us could really learn from because i think it's beautiful um but i know we have to go soon so i have one more question for you all right so assuming that everything returns to normal which is looking like a hopeful thing at, at this point but assuming everything returns to normal and everything's fine back in chattanooga when all of this is over and we can just go out in public again what is the first restaurant you want to go to in Chattanooga, and what what are you going to get? Well, you you know Rachel and I eat out every night of the week. So if anybody ever wants to talk about restaurants, especially Rachel, she loves talking to people about options for for restaurants. And so so that's a that's a tough question. So so our Cheers, you know, the place that we go to the most is Hennen's. And so I okay, would where's that say, at? So Hennen's is downtown kind of next to the aquarium uh, on the backside of blue plate uh, okay down right down from the lookout stadium so so hennens that that's a couple couple nights a week there and then il primo is typically a couple nights a week and then yep. alea is one night a week and so 
you know, it, it's just sitting there going, okay, where, where would we go to for, do we want to see people or do we want our favorite dish? And so if I had to tell you one answer, I would say we would go to Hennen's uh, because that's where, that's where we know everybody. And we want to check on those people and, and, uh, and, and see how they're doing. And so now I don't get anything fancy there. I normally get a, a, a grilled chicken salad and Rachel gets salmon with asparagus and we get the same dish basically every time we go, which yep. is two, three times a week. But, but it's uh, good, obviously. But it's good. But you know where else I want to go? I want to go to Poblano's on a Thursday. Taco Thursday. Some, and get some $1 street tacos because That's those right. are amazing. And so I definitely want to be able to get back to regular life and be able to, to, to grow, gra- go grab those street tacos for sure. So, but uh, yeah, I'm ready. We'll, we'll have to do that when this is all over. Yeah, I've told people, um, I said, I, you know, you, you were told not to wish our life away. And I agree with that 100%. This life is short. It's precious. So we don't need to wish it away. But I kind of wish I could push fast forward on the next few weeks. You know, Dad, that would yeah, be no, nice. But I think it's, it's a natural these, temptation. Yeah, but it's in these tough times where our faith is made stronger. You know, I mean, it's yep. one of those, this is what this is what really makes who we are. And it's the chance for God to shine even brighter in the tough times through us and through what he's going to do in the world. Um, but, but Bruce, if I had said one thing, one thing I've tried to, to pray specifically the past, let's call it week, um, is that God, I believe you have power over mm. anything in this world. And I think yep. just trying to verbalize that to him, God, all this stuff going on, I want you to know, you may not act how I want you to act. You may not have the outcome that I want. I just want you to know that I believe you have power over everything. And I've yep. tried to verbalize that so he knows I don't think he has. I, I, I want him to know that I don't doubt his power in this situation. And so that's, again, for me that I've, I've, I've tried to verbally say um, that, again, brings me peace and is a good reminder. Yeah, that transitions me perfectly to how I want to close our time together. So, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Um, It has been a tremendous blessing. I pray this is a blessing for our entire church. But I just wanted to read some of the verses from Psalm 145 because our entire conversation has just brought this psalm to my mind. So as we close today, this has been Connected, a City Collective podcast with me, Brooks, and Rob Hatchett. And we are so grateful for his time. But I just pray that you would join us in this time and make this psalm your prayer as I read it. Starting in verse 1, it says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. And that is our prayer as we end today, that those words would be our own as we navigate coronavirus in 2020. Thank you so much for listening, and I pray that the grace and peace of our God, our Father, would comfort you in this time. Thank you all.